Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet of the Dow Jones Industrial Averages Trading Lore. The S&P and NASDAQ both higher. And this update is brought to you by Bentley University. What to tying up the finances at Converse and managing asset allocations at J.P. Morgan have in common? A business degree from Bentley University because business is everywhere. Prepare here. Stocks are fluctuating. We've got the S&P up two points to 2184. That is a gain of one-tenth of one percent. NASDAQ up nine, a gain of two-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials lower by a point now to 18,573. The 10-year up five thirty seconds, yield 1.53 percent. Gold up 830 the ounce to 1353, an advance of six-tenths of one percent. Crude oil, West Texas Intermediate traded in New York up 3.3 percent, 48 34. Brent is above $50 a barrel, first time since July, up 2%, now 50.89. I'm Charlie Pallet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Eat or be eaten, acquire or be acquired. M&A madness in the startup universe. And our next guest says, if you want to survive and thrive, you better pay attention to a very major trend, the move from the information age into the intelligence age. Joining us in studio today is Gus Tai. He's general partner at Trinity Ventures in Menlo Park, California, the heart of the valley. And he's here today to join us to talk about this. Gus, welcome. Thank you, Kathleen. So, uh... There is certainly a lot of M&A activity. What is driving it? We're talking about trends, but is there anything about people uh, getting more confident, financing being cheap? What's behind it? Yes, Kathleen. I think we're in a super fascinating to- uh, time right now where you have Microsoft buying LinkedIn for $26 billion. You have Walmart buying Jet for $3.3 billion. And even GM bought Cruise for a billion dollars. I think that the trend that's driving all of these are large corporations seeking to bring in DNA and capability to move from the information age to the intelligence age. Hey, Gus, uh, you know, just to give some context here, uh, at Trinity Ventures, uh, Zulily, yep. initial public offering, that would be you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Nile, initial public mm-hmm. offering, that would be you. Uh, if I always keep asking myself, if these are all such great companies – whether it's public or private, why sell them? Sure. Well, from a venture capital standpoint, when we make investments in companies, we do make an agreement with the management team and the other shareholders to have some form of liquidity. And so if the liquidity comes in other forms, uh, such as dividend, that would be possible. But in general, when a company is acquired or goes public, it makes their uh, capital uh, liquid. And then we could uh, we buy in and we liquidate and we distribute those profits back to our LPs. So it makes sense to me. You want to put some money in your pocket when you put all that work into starting up a company. Hope so. Uh, yeah. What about this? What are you talking about? Information age to intelligence age. Yes. What does that mean? Uh, it's it's very it's very compelling. What does it mean? Yeah, it. Uh, we view this as as transformative from moving from the industrial revolution to the information revolution. And so now, over the last twenty years, we've been aggregating all of this information about things. So if you look at Amazon when they pulled together all the things you could buy. That's pulling together information in one, one particular place. However, the information overwhelms all of us, whether we're individuals or businesses. And so you need to add intelligence to be able to sort through that information. So 
it, you've seen this intelligence revolution where you can make sense of the data in, in information technology companies, but you haven't seen that shift yet in all the other industries. And that's what we're arguing is taking place right now, that if these large companies don't add intelligence to all the information they have already, they may become dinosaurs. Does that same strategy apply to the venture capital world? <laughs> well, because I understand that, what is it? You know, you do 10 investments, seven die, three maybe live on, and one is the thing that, you know, puts the roof over everybody's head. It, it, it sure does apply to venture capital and all other industries. And you are seeing innovation at various different types of venture firms, particularly the newer ones, that have this fresh look. A, a dear friend of mine who, who inspires me in the Valley is Dave McClure. He has 500 startups, and he would argue that uh, firms that are traditional, perhaps even a firm like ours, is a dinosaur. And, and we have to pay attention to that. Hmm. Guess you need to sort data better. I mean, seriously, what would that mean for you? If you're a dinosaur, how could you be a dinosaur? Well, you know, I would argue that venture firms are more resilient to this trend because we actually are competing to understand and make sense of data we already have and put it in the forms of intelligence. But who could disrupt you? Or what? It's it's the model of uh, so so a thesis for a disruption for venture capital. What Pim the way what I inferred from what Pim was saying is that the traditional model is you make uh, two investments per partner per year, and if you have a firm of ten people, ten partners at twenty investments per year, from a portfolio theory basis, it may make sense to make a hundred investments per year if you have a strategy for feeding the winners and calling the losers. That's a legitimate strategy. And if you have information that that you can transform to intelligence to understand that trend better, you could have a leg up. I just want to go through some recent deals to get your thoughts on this. Sure. Uh, Gillette Dollar Shave Club. Yes. Boy, I mean, Dollar Shave Club, as I understand, doesn't make money necessarily, at least not yet. Uh, is there a strategy or a theme that we need to understand here? Yes, and and so uh, the the theme and uh, Unilever purchased Dollar Shave Club for a billion, and Gillette, which is owned by P&G, had a lawsuit against Dollar Shave Club. If I understand the public information properly, the theme would be that Unilever, being a $130 billion, $140 billion company, would be interested in developing a deeper relationship with end consumers and collecting information from them and serving them. Dollar Shave Club innovated in moving from a product to a service and using analytics of understanding the customers and how to tune products for those customers. So it's very savvy. So... What uh, what do you make of? I just have to ask you. Jet sure. Walmart just seems like a match made in heaven, potentially. Sure. Yes. Uh, it's. I think it's a very savvy strategic move, and strategic moves have to play out operationally. You have to execute. But why it's so savvy strategically is that Walmart is a four hundred ninety billion ish revenue company. Last year, it actually shrank from the previous year. Its online uh, business last year was fourteen billion dollars. And if you think online revenue uh, retail is important, that $14 billion barely matched the growth of, um, of Amazon. So they have to do something to catch up. Are you a member of Dollar Shave Club? I am not. No? Yeah, would you invest in, would you have invested in Dollar Shave Club? I, I made the mistake in passing and I regret it. <laughs> but you were offered. Yes. You saw it. Huh. Yeah. Well done. Thanks very much. Gus Thank Tai, you. general partner at Trinity Ventures. They're based in Menlo Park, California. You're listening. To taking stock. This is Bloomberg. Coming up, designers on a dime, a global consignment business selling merchandise via an e-commerce platform. 
We're going to take a look at how it works and why. Small business in focus on Bloomberg Radio.